Luke is the primary author of the Christmas story. He actually is inclined to tell us about outcast. He himself is the only Gentile writer in the whole New Testament of a Jewish cast of writers. He writes about, he gives us eight stories of women who are certainly the outcast in the first century. He tells us stories about tax collectors and prostitutes, stories we would never have known if Luke did not have this desire. And in the Christmas story, he includes the part of the shepherds. The story that he tells us is a story not just about them, but it's a story about us. Because in understanding this story, we come to understand God's attitude toward people who feel like they're nobodies. When we come to the Lord, we find his open arms, an open heart and an open heart. Today, I, I want to walk through the Christmas story. And the place to start is with the scandal. The Christmas story begins with the scandal. It's about a probably a 16-year-old girl named Mary who tells her family that she's pregnant. And how does this happen? She says, it's from God. Her family doesn't believe her. her the man she's engaged to be married to doesn't believe her. His family doesn't believe her. And very, very fast, Mary is isolated and feels extreme rejection. The man she's engaged to be married to, because in that time, engagement was just as strong as marriage, though there was no physical intimacy. There would have to be a divorce to separate them. And Joseph is struggling, and he cannot believe this story that Mary has told him. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her. We don't know how long Mary and Joseph have known each other, but probably a long time, because in that time, families arranged the marriage. They had been pledged to be married, and a, a year from the time they were pledged to be married, they would be married in the synagogue, both families present. It was one of the most important events in Jewish life. Joseph would have been excited, looking forward to it, Mary. But everything changed with an encounter from a heavenly visitor. Luke tells us his name is Gabriel, and he delivers a message. He comes to the small town of Nazareth, where Mary lives, and this is the message he delivers. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Mary is overcome with shock, but she asked the angel, how is this possible? Because I am a virgin. The angel gave her this answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary demonstrates in her answer to the angel her maturity and her insight. She didn't understand how her pregnancy was going to, going to happen, the conception, but she trusted God. 
because the answer reveals it, may it be to me as you have said. Joseph, however, is struggling deeply. He cannot accept this far-fetched story. He can't comprehend it that Mary has told him. On top of that, I'm sure his family is telling him, have nothing to do with this woman. She's lying to you, and our honor is at stake here. So the only thing Joseph could come up with was divorce. He's contemplating this. When the angel informs Mary that her cousin is pregnant in her sixth month of pregnancy, Mary immediately knows this is a miracle because Elizabeth has far surpassed the age of childbearing, and she could only be with a child if God had miraculously allowed that. And since her family is most likely rejecting her, Joseph's family, and Joseph himself has isolated himself from her, this is a great moment to go see Elizabeth. And that's what she does. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. She left in a hurry. Now, what would a 16-year-old teenager be doing traveling 80 miles by herself because her family wants nothing to do with her? Joseph isn't showing himself to her. So this young woman by herself goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. Now, Joseph is in a quandary and he needs some help. So Gabriel is sent back on another mission. He needs direction. He needs encouragement. So this is what Gabriel says to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why is he afraid? Most likely the strong family pressure that's being put upon him. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph has carried this fear that he can't overcome, but Gabriel brings some comprehension. Luke inserts into the story that everything that has happened and is happening is happening right according to God's plans. Matthew, not Luke. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. This is almost a thousand years before Isaiah prophesied, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, God is coming, and he is coming soon. When Mary returns, what relief she must have experienced, and I actually think relief may be the greatest human emotion. But when she has this conversation with Joseph, and he tells her, the heavenly angel that you said you talked to, he came to visit me. And he told me everything. So I now believe you, Mary. Probably without his family or her family, they go to the synagogue and the rabbi marries the two all alone. Now, the scripture says that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's 80 miles away from Nazareth. And Mary is just about ready to give birth. How is that going to happen? Don't worry, God has it all under control. He actually uses the Roman Empire, who is in Rome, to get Mary and Joseph where they need to be. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus, he happens to be the Roman Empire, but he's just a piece of lint on the page, (laughs) as far as God is concerned, issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph is originally from Bethlehem. He has to go there to be counted. So they take off on this journey. They're poor, either walking or maybe with a borrowed donkey. But they're making an 80-mile journey with Mary so close to giving birth. In fact, this is what Luke says after they have arrived in Bethlehem. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks. Now, Bethlehem is a little village, and we've had Christmas plays where the innkeeper, there were no inns in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is just a hole in the wall. Five miles away is Jerusalem, and there are inns. When Joseph goes, he goes to his village of Bethlehem. Most likely, he would have sought out his relatives, but evidently, they were already packed. It had to be extremely overcrowded in Bethlehem to turn away a woman who is hours away from giving birth and who might even be a relative, but they found no such relief. Finally, someone in this little village of Bethlehem allows them to use a stable, which is probably just a carved out cave in the limestone behind the house where animals are present. That is the place that Joseph and Mary found refuge. They're all alone, but somehow this couple is beginning to think that God is watching over them. In fact, God has angels watching over this couple. They are soon to find that out. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Take note for all the people. The shepherds are nobodies. Nobody knows their names. They are the people that are on the bottom of the list, persons of no importance. But the angel says that this news I bring is for all people. All the nobodies. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. I say that those shepherds were terrified with probably Gabriel is the one who appears and maybe brings a whole flock of angels. They're so terrified, he says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Jesus comes for all the nobodies. The people frustrated, grasping for the meaning of life, who are running on fumes or an empty tank, who feel like life is an uphill battle. But Jesus came for them. He came for you. That's what Christmas is all about. Listen to the instructions that he gives to the angels. This will be assigned to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger. Now, that would have sounded strange to someone who had some money, but it wouldn't sound strange to the shepherds. They're as poor as, as it comes. And then a baby in a manger would sound perfectly fine to them. He gives the instructions to them. The fact that God first seeks the shepherds is a clear message that he's looking for the needy, the hurting, the suffering, the forgotten. 
And he's not holding his nose while he's doing it. He's got his arms wide open. Those are the ones he goes to because they know he wants his help. They won't turn him away. Look at the enthusiasm of the shepherds. They're immediately excited and they respond. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Incredibly, they, the shepherds, were the first to bow and worship Christ. They were the first to be amazed in his presence. No coincidence here. This is God who has arranged this. They went back praising God for what they had seen, and they were the first to announce the birth of the Savior. Have you ever felt like a nobody? If you have, you have a lot in common with the shepherds. If you've ever felt like an outcast, if you've ever struggled with being accepted, you are important to God. If you've ever felt unimportant because you haven't accomplished great things, then you're in great company. If you have felt that you are anonymous and nobody knows who you are, then think again, God does. When it came time for somebody to go and welcome his son, he went to your ranks. He sent his mighty angels to inform the shepherds and give them the instructions on where to find his son. He shared that privilege with them. Paul said in a very unique way, which in the story of Christmas demonstrates what Paul says here, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I can hear that conversation in heaven. Gabriel, I want you to go to this town in Nazareth. There's some shepherds out in the field tending their flocks. I want you to tell them to go to the, to the stable and see my son, welcome him. There was no hesitation, no questioning, just excitement. All of that is to say, you matter. You're important, shepherds. And every single person who feels like they're an outcast or who doesn't fit. That is the message of Christmas. Marianne Berg was born with multiple congenital disabilities, a cleft palate, disfigured face, crooked nose, and deafness in one ear. As a child, she suffered from her physical impairments, but more from the terrible emotional damage inflicted by other children. Marianne, what's wrong with your lip? Worst of all was the school's annual hearing test. The teacher would call each child forward one at a time. The child covered one ear and then the other, and the teacher whispered a simple phrase, like, the sky is blue, you have new shoes. Marianne could not hear in one ear and did everything possible, including cheating, cheating to minimize her disability. She despised the whisper test. But one year, her teacher was Miss Leonard, whom every child loved. Miss Leonard was obliged to give the annual test to the children. When Mary Ann was called for her dreaded turn, she cupped her ear. The teacher leaned forward. Miss Leonard did not say, the sky is blue or you have new shoes. She whispered, I wish you were my little girl. And Mary Ann has never forgotten the words God must have put in that teacher's mouth that day because she says those seven words 
changed her life. I think the shepherds were never the same. The excitement they demonstrated, the enthusiasm they demonstrated as they shared the message of what they had seen and heard. And even the hearers responded with excitement. Because in that Christmas message, being the first to see God's Son, came the message, you matter to me. Would you bow your heads with me today? Because we're going to take just a moment to pray. And somehow in this story of Christmas that has so many facets, and I went over it very quickly, just to highlight the shepherds. Because so powerfully, God is speaking through this story that you matter. Maybe you fight those feelings of inadequacy and insignificance and the purpose of your life. But the message of Christmas is, you matter to me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story, a story that stirs our heart, a story that speaks to us. 2,000 years later, it's still speaking because it's true. I don't know everything of how those shepherds responded when those angelic beings spoke to them, most likely frozen and terrified with fear because the angels calmed them down and tell them not to be afraid. But after they comprehended what had just happened, the instructions were clear. They left their flocks, someone in charge, I'm sure, but they went and they found that stable and they found that baby lying in a manger, his parents close by. Somehow I don't even think they had words to speak. The presence of God so strong. And they shared that message everywhere they went. You know, God is still speaking that message today to everyone. You're, you may be a nobody to this world, you may have felt you're a nobody to yourself, but you're not a nobody to me. You matter to me. Would you let that sink in today? God wants to make that connection with you. He wants you to open up your heart because his arms are open to you. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. I want you to just open up your heart and pray the prayer with me. Dear God, I believe this story. I believe that you came to this earth as a baby in that stable. You sent your son. I accept this story. I believe this story. And I believe you came because you came for people like me who often struggle with their own sense of purpose. But I receive you today, Jesus, as my Savior. I believe that you came to save me from my sins and to turn my life around. I want to be connected to you. I want to be committed to you. I want to serve you with all of my heart. I pray the Christmas story has new meaning for me this year as I commit my heart to you to serve you with all of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.